What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show, Better Than Before, on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. And now, as always, here's the person who has the most magical voice in all of radio. And here she is, my producer, Lori Houston. Hi, Lori. (laughs) Hi, Jane. (laughs) Well, speaking of magic, the reason I mentioned it, I saw the most amazing show on Broadway last night, Penn and Teller, and they do magic, although um, they don't necessarily like to be called magicians, but there's really no other way to say it. And they're just wildly successful. Their home base is in um, Las Vegas, but they have... Um, a show here for a limited run on on Broadway. And I was watching very closely, and and I still couldn't figure it out, (laughs) I have to tell you. I mean, it was so amazing. Um, Anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is because one of the stars, Pendulette, recently lost 100 pounds, and he'll be on the show soon telling us how he did it. So stay tuned for that. Today, though, we have a great show. After the break, we're going to meet Dr. Janet Taylor. She is a highly renowned mental health expert, seen often on the Today Show. She writes a column for Family Circle Magazine. She has created AARP's Life Reimagined Program, which is all about stress management and work-life balance, and we'll be talking to her right after the break. But first, I would like you all to meet Elizabeth Summer. Uh, She is really one of my favorite health and nutrition experts. I have interviewed her for my columns. She's also featured in my new book, Long Live You. And for the past 35 years, Elizabeth has helped millions achieve their ideal health and improve their lives mentally and physically through proper nutrition and lifestyle changes. And she doesn't even look 35 herself, so she must be doing something right. She's also a best-selling author of more than 10 books related to food, mood, and health. And I have her latest one right in front of me, Eat Your Way to Sexy. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, it's a delight. Glad to be here. You know, Elizabeth, we very often talk about nutrition on this show. And in fact, just last week, as you know, we had one of your colleagues, Dr. Michael Roizen, on with us. So it's a subject that we never can hear or learn too much about. And, you know, there's always such surprising new research out there, just when we think we know it all. Uh, you know, there, but on the other hand, there's so many things that we can avoid in our lives that have a negative impact. We don't have to smoke. We don't have to drink. We can stay away from depressing people. But we all have to eat, you know, and, and ergo the problem. Um, so I, I met you recently uh, with Dr. Roizen uh, when you led a, a women's focus group and roundtable called The Real Reveal. 
And it was the hidden truth of what 10 women know and don't know about nutrition. And I think there were some surprising reveals that came out of this. Do you want to talk about that for a moment? Yes. Um, I think probably the thing that I was most surprised at was how confused the women were about nutrition. Um, and I, in, in short, in part blame the media for that and also even us professionals. I think we're constantly providing new information and people start feeling like, you know, they're watching a Wimbledon tennis match. <laughs> First off, he's bad for you, then it's good for you, then it's bad for you, then it's good for you. Um, so that was one of the surprising things. I was not surprised, uh, but it reinforced some of the information I already knew from research that Americans think they're doing much better than they really are. Uh, more than half of the women thought they ate pretty well. They just knew they needed to make a few changes. Uh, interestingly enough, in the survey that, that supported that uh, roundtable, people, Americans tend to think they're doing pretty well, but, uh, but think that everyone else isn't. So that's kind of, I find that kind of funny. Um, the, the reality is, the research shows that up to 99 out of 100 Americans don't even meet the minimum standards of a balanced diet. Yeah, that, that's and actually, right before we went on the air, I just saw in my email a shocking figure from the CDC, and that's the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which is the leading national public health institute in the U.S., that expenses for chronic diseases such as diabetes and heart disease now exceed $560 billion annually here in the U.S., and that's a figure that's expected to substantially increase, uh, particularly uh, for diabetes and heart disease, which reach, you know, unfortunately, which will be reaching epidemic uh, proportions. So to your point, while people think they eat all right, the research shows that they really don't. Uh, Why why is this disconnect, Elizabeth? (laughs) What are we doing wrong here? Uh, well, you know, to, to our benefit, America, we, humans like to see themselves in a positive light, and I'm all for that. But, you know, we also have to get honest and get real. There was a, speaking of the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they also just came out with a study this month uh, finding that less than 9% of Americans meet even minimum standards for vegetables intake. And when we do eat vegetables, we choose the worst ones. The number one vegetable in America consumed is potatoes. And, of course, most of the time they're fried or or made into hash browns or some other greasy, salty mess. Second uh, most popular vegetable is iceberg lettuce, which is just crunchy water. It doesn't hold a candle to spinach or kale or other dark greens. When it comes to fruit, our number one Fruit consumed in the United States is apple juice, which is just sugar water. So even those people that are getting close to the minimum recommendation for fruits and vegetables are making awful choices. So we we have a long way to go in in encouraging people to eat better. The news here is that all the diseases you mentioned and more, whether it's heart disease, uh, cancer, hypertension, diabetes, uh, even dementia, even cataracts, are hugely related to how we care for our bodies and what we put into our mouths. 
It's true. And you know something, years ago they didn't make that correlation. It was just, as I mentioned many times on the show, that it was just ulcers or indigestion or, you know, they didn't say that food, you kind of are what you eat. And it plays such an important role. And I think as many people who are realizing it, unfortunately, that's as many as as you saw from the survey that think, you know, hey, I'm doing, I eat corn and potatoes. (laughs) I eat whole wheat bread, but it's not really whole grain and it was just whole wheat which is sort of like brown white bread i would think it's just kind of white bread with food coloring almost so you know you can be fooled a lot and and which brings me to another point elizabeth talking about the the food labeling which is confusing i think to a lot of women and and i am and men too i'm a firm believer in reading labels and if you can't pronounce it don't buy it except for quinoa which you know i can't spell or pronounce <laughs> basically right it doesn't it doesn't pronounce the same as it spells but is this in line with the complaints from your patients as well that you know they're they're they have all this information from the food label but they can't really decipher it yeah i think the food labels are very confusing and there are a few guidelines that are actually pretty simple one is believe nothing on the front of the box or the bag or the carton that's all marketing hype uh, if it says the food is natural, there's no definition for that. I mean, arsenic is nat- natural, too. So uh, if it says uh, high fiber, or low cholesterol, in fact, if it has claims on the front, that often is a red flag. You've got junk food that's trying to give itself a health elo. So that's the first thing. Believe nothing on the front. You have to go to the back, and you have to look at the nutritional information and the ingredient list. And the ingredient list should be short. You should be able to pronounce everything on it and recognize what it is. Uh, When it comes to the nutritional panel, make sure you look at serving size. I even got fooled with that with a Marie Callender's chicken pot pie the other day. I was looking at it going, wow, only 400 calories Mm -hmm. in this chicken pot pie. It's like one pea. (laughs) One pea in the the pot pie. (laughs) Yeah, it was actually two servings in one pot pie, which is weird because we think of that as one serving. And if you ate the whole thing, that would be close to 1,000 calories and more than your total day's requirement for fat and salt. So you have to start looking at the nutritional panel as well as the ingredient list and skip the, the, don't get snookered into buying a product because you like the label. And also the muffins. You know, a lot of people, they, there's huge, like the muffins that ate St. Louis, these enormous muffins. And it says it's 150 calories. And you say, okay, it must mean the muffin. But it was for one bite of that muffin. And that's why they put it on the front, you know, 150 calories. Or they say no added cholesterol in some product. Well, you don't necessarily add cholesterol. Your body creates cholesterol from eating the product. But, you know, nobody adds cholesterol to it. <laughs> so you go, oh, there's no added cholesterol. So you're fooled many times. And that's the problem. You know, it's hard to – and if you want to be fooled. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, this must be good. You know, they, they just take it because they want to. They never research a little bit further. But uh, also what I find – and, and I'm sure you do too, uh, with the changing research, uh, things like aspartamine was supposed to be a miracle and, and food dyes were totally benign and, and all of the things that now they're saying, oh, wait a minute, um, no, that actually has caused cancer. And oh, no, food dyes, you know, take them all the market. So no one knows exactly what to believe anymore. All these miracle 
additives suddenly are not miracle. In fact, <laughs> they're just the opposite. They make you sick. And talk a little bit about, I see a lot of people with the sugar bowls in front of them at restaurants. They have stevia, they have Splenda, they have brown sugar and white sugar. What is the, I don't think people know what these new sugars are. Well, I think we're looking for, you know, we, we want to satisfy our, the, the, the sweet tooth without the calories. Americans mm-hmm. are consuming more sugar than any species has ever consumed in the history of the planet, except maybe hummingbirds. Mm-hmm. Um, on which study you, you hear, USDA, we're averaging anywhere from 20 to 40 teaspoons of added sugar every day. And soda pop is the number one source with 10 teaspoons per can. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, I think some people are looking for, for a solution, you know, to that. And Splenda apparently is the, the safest of, of the sugar substitutes, and it's even recommended for pregnant women. Mm-hmm. But really the bigger issue here is that if we just chose real food rather than anything that has an ingredient list, then we'd be well on our way to eating healthier. If we just made sure that every plate was at least half colorful fruits and vegetables, um, and we didn't buy the, the strawberry Pop-Tarts and the potato chips and the soda pop and the fruit leather and all the other junk that's on the market, we would, we would lower our risk for all diseases, we'd manage our weights, we'd live longer and medication-free. Uh, so that's the bigger issue, is that Americans aren't choosing food, they're looking, you know, they're just looking for some sort of magic bullet, like, oh, if I just eat Splenda, I'll be fine. No, just eat real. Skip the processed. Right. And they, they, well, we want quick fixes. We want instant bullet. Thinner by dinner, right? 20 pounds off in two hours. Right. Took yeah. longer than that to gain it. And I'm sure it's going to take a little bit longer to lose it. But, and that's it. I think it's slow, little steps that's going to, that gets you from where you are to where you want to be. And one of the steps, as you mentioned, is to be aware of what you're buying. And that's the, that's the first step to read labels. And not everyone does because, again, Elizabeth, they look at the front and it looks good. Pictures of healthy and health and flowers and <laughs> bees. And, <laughs> and then you read the bag, you go, wait, wait a minute. And even all of the here in New York City, all of the major uh, food chains, aside from Whole Foods, which, again, you can get a lot of things in Whole Foods that are not so whole and healthy. But a lot of them may have their own in-house products and they look wonderful. But when you turn the back around on the box and you see what's actually in them, it's frightening. As you said, those are, the women are confused in the real reveal. They said that too. They don't really know. So they think they're eating well, but, you know, not, that's not necessarily the case, right? Well, you know, and, and I think people feel confused when they think that the guidelines are constantly changing. That's not true. We know the guidelines. They've been set for years, it's just that the media tends to report on single studies. Nutrition is not a black and white science. You always always have to look at where the weight of the evidence lies. But the media often reports on controversy rather than consensus and leads people into thinking that dietary recommendations have changed. What we know is, and we know it for sure, is the people that eat the most colorful fruits and vegetables, not the potatoes, but the sweet potato, not the apple juice, but the orange juice, you know, the blueberries and the the carrots and the asparagus and the spinach. Um, They eat nuts and legumes. They keep their... um, 
their their saturated fat intake down by uh, eating more legumes and more uh, fatty fish, for instance, is important for the omega threes. Uh, those people live longer, healthier, leaner, with disease free and medication free. So. We we know that, and we've known it for decades. It's just that people get confused because they keep hearing about one study. Don't make any change in your diet based on one study. Uh, and eat also eat vegetables, the colors of the rainbow, I hear. So that's that's how you should consider it. Also today, as you know, there people are looking to organics. Organic can be expensive. What do you what do you feel about organic food versus conventional? Um. Well. If you're, you know, if you're concerned about the planet, you're, you know, you want, you want to make one small step in making the planet a healthier place to be, then by all means go organic. But keep in mind that all the research on colorful fruits and vegetables, and we have literally thousands of studies spanning decades of research repeatedly and consistently showing that colorful fruits and vegetables lower disease risk. All that research has been done on conventional produce, all of it. So, yes, organic may be lower in pesticides, may be slightly higher in some of the phytonutrients, but if you can't afford organic, then by all means, just make sure the plate's loaded with fruits and vegetables. And the irony here is that you also have to kind of put this stuff in perspective. I often have clients come in who are very overweight and they're concerned about eating organic produce when their biggest risk factor is the fact that they've got too much body fat and that's killing them. So you have to sort of put it in perspective. Organic's fine as long as you've got the money and you want to save the planet. But if you don't have the money, go for conventional. All right. And there's also something called the dirty dozen or the or the clean 15, which the dirty dozen, I guess, involves like berries or vegetables from the ground that soak in some of the pesticides and chemicals. Um, and I always think that things like grass-fed milk, et cetera, probably, it, it sounds like, again, the label has a very happy cow grazing on the, on the, uh, <laughs> grazing on the label. So I assume that he's happier than eating hay in a barn. So. Uh, or me, but I, I, I just don't. In fact, when Dr. Rosen was here, he said he doesn't eat any, any, uh, anything with feet, and I never think of it that way. So that means no chicken, no. Although I don't think of cheese as having feet, but I guess if you look at it, they do, it does come from a cow originally, right? So I can't get out of it that way. I don't think of camembert as walking away from my dish, but so I don't, I don't quite quite like to think of it that way. But also, Elizabeth, there are so many people who are following certain diets. There's the gluten-free, there's the paleo, vegetarian, South Beach, et cetera, et cetera. Are we missing a lot of nutrients if we just go for one particular um, diet plan? Uh, well, it depends on the choices you're making. You can, you know, the body thrives on a variety of diets. You know, we've proven that with the Mediterranean and the Okinawan diet and, and others. The only diet that the body just crumbles and gets sick on is the Western diet. So um, you can eat healthy on paleo. You can eat healthy on vegetarian. Um, but it, it just depends on the choices you make. The, the worst diet by far is a diet loaded with processed foods. But whatever diet you're on, more than likely, you know, when, when I do talks to other dietitians and I have them raise their hand, how many of you eat at least eight colorful fruits and vegetables a day, at least six servings of whole grains, a couple of nuts, at least one serving of salmon or mackerel or herring for the, for the omega-3s that are so important for your brain? Um, 
no one raises their hand. So it's like nobody's eating perfectly. So on the days when you don't eat perfectly, whether you're on a paleo diet, a vegetarian diet, the Western diet, it just makes sense to fill in the gaps by taking a moderate dose, uh, broad-range multivitamin and mineral, um, maybe take some uh, extra omega-3s, especially the omega-3 DHA, which is so important for brain function. Um, you might need some extra calcium and magnesium if you don't eat a lot of uh, dairy products or magnesium-rich dark greens and nuts and legumes, just so that you fill in the gaps and then still start, you know, try to make changes in your diet. Now, talking about the um, omega-3s, when I interviewed you for a column that I wrote actually for Deepak and um, Malika Chopra's site. Um, I also um, wrote about this about you in in my book. Um, depression is. We talked about depression, and we're going to have Dr. Janet Taylor on in the next segment talking more about depression from an emotional well being standpoint. But diet, as you said, has a lot to do with our with our mood swings and our, you know, just our whole attitude about life. You can be depressed, you can be up, you can be down. But if you eat a lot of sugar and high carbs or ice cream or drink a lot, mm, um, which you're tempted to do if you're depressed, uh, truth, be, truth be told, that has a negative impact, certainly the next day, for sure. <laughs> it feels good when you're doing it, but, you know, the next day is like, oh, no, why did I do that? So you're even more depressed. So talk a little bit about how this affects our mood swings. Lack oh, of well, certain nutrition. This is, a, this is a topic I know well. I wrote the book Food and Mood, uh, Eat Your Way to Happiness, and my most recent Eat Your Way to Sexy is just a, another book about how to feel vibrant and passionate about life. And there is a huge link with how you care for yourself and, and your energy level, your mood, uh, your mental clarity, whether you develop Alzheimer's down the road. I mean, there's so much here that, w- that we could talk about. Um, you, you mentioned earlier that we are what we eat, and that's absolutely true. The only place your body gets its building blocks, and by your body I also mean your brain, the only place it gets those building blocks is from your diet. So if you're eating a bunch of processed potato chips, soda pop, you know, uh, fast food restaurant stuff, a lot of salt and whatever, you're building a body on junk. So no wonder your mood goes down, your energy level goes down, you're at higher risk for dementia as you get older. Um, I can't tell you how many people have come back to me and said, I never knew I could feel this good when they've made changes in what they eat and, of course, their exercise habits as well. So um, the omega-3s, very important. There's this wealth of research now showing that the omega-3s in fatty fish, such as mackerel, herring, sardines, anchovies, salmon, um, in particular DHA, is critical for brain function. Uh, up to 97% of the omega-3s in the brain are DHA. DHA, and uh, people and cultures that where people eat the most fatty fish have the lowest risk for things like dementia and uh, 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 depression. So there's one one thing. Of course, you can't add salmon to a bad diet and think it's going to save your brain. Eating healthy, lots of colorful fruits and vegetables, yada, 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 and then add at least twice a week, preferably more, some fatty fish like salmon. And you can't grill it or you can't fry it. The research shows that if you batter and fry fish, you you negate all the benefits that you got from the omega-3s in there. So it needs to be grilled or poached, baked is fine. And if you can't 
if you can't eat salmon because you're a vegetarian or you're, you know, you can't afford it or you don't like it, whatever, then make sure you're getting those omega-3s by either taking fish oil or a DHA supplement. You need at least 220 milligrams of DHA every day. There was one study called the MIDAS study, M-I-D-A-S, you can Google it, uh, that found that seniors who supplemented with 900 milligrams of DHA saw a significant improvement in memory. So whether it's your mood or your mind, um, it's important make sure to include that. Critical. And fish don't have feet, so that's a good thing. <laughs> we we can all eat fish no matter what we are. <laughs> no matter what we if we're we're no not vegetarian but but health conscious they don't have feet they don't have pa- well they have parents I have a, a veg a veg vegan she won't eat anything with parents eyes or a face so okay, well, or the feet more now. You, <laughs> now feet it, it, the more food you eliminate from the diet. And I'm not talking about processed foods, but the more real food you eliminate from the diet, and in case of a vegan, they're not eating fish, they're not eating meat, they're not eating um, milk or yogurt or eggs or any of that stuff, the more, the higher your risk for nutrient deficiencies. So it's um, even more important, for instance, uh, zinc and iron are poorly absorbed from vegetarian sources where they're very well absorbed from meat. So uh, a vegan has to make sure that they're getting enough of those from a supplement. Uh, calcium is low in vegan diets. B12 is low, sometimes B6, the omega-3 DHA. You can get it from algae, so make sure that you're getting an algal-based supplement of that DHA because there's no other uh, vegetarian source of that. Um, but you can still eat healthy. You can be a vegan and be healthy as long as you make good choices. Right. Now, as far as calcium, let's just briefly, uh, very briefly talk about that. A lot of people who drink milk or, you know, some of them are lactose intolerant. Of course, some, some listeners are. So what do you recommend for calcium? Just a, a supplement or is that just too much to just take a supplement sort of out there without combining it with something else? Uh, well, of course, you need calcium for your bones, and we also know that a high calcium diet lowers the risk for things like colon cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and dairy products, in particular uh, non-fat milk or, or plain uh, non-fat yogurt are great sources of calcium, or calcium-fortified orange juice, or soy milk. Uh, but uh, if you're not getting you know, two to three servings of those foods a day, then just taking a calcium supplement, don't, don't expect your multi to have enough. If it, you know, you need about a thousand milligrams of calcium or more a day. If they put that much into a supplement, it would be the size of a golf ball. So, um, more than likely, your one a day or your Centrum or your Nature Mate or whatever multi doesn't have enough calcium in it. So, um, take it, you know, you supplement your supplement by taking some extra calcium. You also need magnesium. I mentioned that earlier. If um, you're not eating, three out of four Americans don't get enough magnesium, which is so important for bone and muscle and nerve transmission. So uh, a CalMag, calcium magnesium supplement's a good idea. Uh, look for one that has a two-to-one ratio, two parts calcium for every one part magnesium. So maybe 500 milligrams of calcium with 250 milligrams of magnesium. You don't want to overdose on magnesium, by the way. It's the active ingredient in milk of magnesia. No, well, so (laughs) we know what can happen with that. (laughs) That's right. And then, of course, vitamin D. Excuse me? Vitamin D is so important. Um, You can't get enough from diet alone. So make sure that your multi has at least 1,000 units of vitamin D in it in order to make sure that calcium gets absorbed and gets deposited into your bones. Now, Elizabeth, 
aside from reading you in my book and in my columns, I had to get in that shameless plug for Long Live You. <laughs> I, they, can, they can read you all about you and you have a, you're very much featured in, in my new book. But where can our audience find you? Well, if they've got questions and they want answers, I answer every single question on my website, which is elizabethsummer.com, and summer is spelled S-O-M-E-R. There's also information there about my 11 books, and I have a blog, so I'm always answering questions and, and, and providing new information on the website. You also can follow me on Twitter, and I'm on Facebook at Elizabeth Summer Nutritionist. 11 books. I whine about the one that I'm out there promoting now <laughs> but you eat right which gives you all that energy elizabeth and you look fantastic everyone it's radio you can't see her but trust me on this one she looks younger than the 35 years she has practiced so thank you so much you have to come back there's so much we have left to discuss and then we have to talk about eat your way to sexy i'm sure there are other things that you'd like to discuss through that that could be very very interesting show thank that you would be- Thank you so much for being with us. It was a delight to have you, everyone. Elizabeth Summer, one of my favorite health and nutrition experts. Everyone, stay with us. When we return, we'll be talking to Dr. Janet Taylor. You're listening to The Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. Don't go away. We'll be right back. As listeners of our iHeartRadio Talk Show know, Jane Wilkins Michael is one of the foremost experts on all things health, beauty, and fitness. Jane has just released her highly anticipated new book, Long Live You, a step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before. In it, she shares a collection of advice, tips, and personal antidotes, along with lifestyle suggestions from some of the world's top beauty, health, and fitness experts, many of whom have been interviewed on this show. Are you hoping to make positive health decisions, improve your emotional well-being, establish a support system, give something back to your community and the world? Jane's new book will help you look years younger and also live a longer, healthier, happier, and more beautiful life. You can order Long Live You, your step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before at your local bookstore or at Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com where it's available for delivery or as an ebook, Or go to Jane's website, janewilkinsmichael.com. Now, back to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins Michael's show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune in to Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins Michael and better than before. Welcome back, everyone. We are on the air live. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm here with Lori, as always. And now I'd like to welcome a very renowned health expert, Dr. Janet Taylor. Dr. Taylor is a community psychologist. She's a certified life coach and thought leader with AARP's Life Reimagined. And as a mental health expert, she she speaks frequently on the topics of minority health, stress management, parenting, and work-life balance. And Dr. Taylor, as you'll soon hear, practices the key tenets of life reimagined by guiding others through life's biggest and smallest challenges. And we could all use a little help to feel better than before, myself included. Welcome to the show, Dr. Taylor. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. 
Oh, it's our pleasure. Now, you're a thought leader with AARP's Life Reimagined. You also write columns for Family Circle. And actually, we had the health director, uh, Lynette, on the show, Linya on the show last week. And I've also seen you frequently on the Today Show. But before we talk about Life Reimagined, uh, tell us a little about yourself and how, what led you in this direction? Well, um, I am a psychiatrist. My practice uh, community psychiatry. Um, I basically work in urban areas, and that led me to not just thinking about the health of individuals, but the health of communities. So subsequently, I got a master's in public health from Columbia and health promotion and disease prevention, and really am focused on health and well-being, not just the identifying uh, and identification of disease. And I have been fortunate to be able to have a platform like Family Circle and Life for Imagine to really help people focus on those positive techniques and preventative aspects of what they can do in their own lives to be healthier and happier. Right. And, you know, your work on lifereimagined.org, it really helps people build stronger relationships with their friends, their families, and most importantly, doctors, you know, with themselves. And, you know, it's very similar to to what we share here on, on the Better Than Before show. It's all about taking those little steps to get you from where you are to where you want to be. It's not the giant leaps, you know, the thinner by dinner, the train insane or remain the same, you know. You help your readers focus on, and, and your audience, focus on their goals and reach them one step at a time in their career again and their health relationships. So explain a little bit about how the program works. So as you mentioned, it is all about small steps and and self-efficacy, which is the belief that you can do something, make a change, be better, really is built on that principle of if you can acknowledge the the tiny steps that you're making every day that can turn into big ones. And so what LifeReimagine.org has made and created are those kind of techniques that are in um, snacks, if you will, that people can choose something that interests them because we know that if you're motivated to change, it needs to be something that maybe incorporates your passion or your purpose. And it's online and offline with examples and ways to make you think and reflect to motivate you to try to make those changes that you deem most important in your own life. And as you mentioned, most of us don't do anything by ourselves, and so the sense of community and being able to share information, maybe invite others in as you take your own journey, is important as we move towards what we all want, and that's to live the rest of our lives in a way that is healthy, that's full of purpose, and really gives us more energy. Yeah, and you know, we're all looking for some relief from our emotional stressors, um, you know, to find some balance between wellness and, and speaking for myself, lunacy, you know, I find half the time that I'm just this close to losing it, quite frankly, and I don't think I'm alone, actually. And according to Google, I was just reading an interesting fact, anxiety is the fifth most searched term ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're also anxious and we're also stressed. And, you know, how do we calm down, I think. That's, I mean, what is some of the self-talk? And of course, it does help when, as you said, there are people in it with you and they can all, we help each other. I mean, there's, there's power in that. But how do we, where do we start? 
Well, but, you know, so many of us are on this treadmill that we don't even know that we feel stressed because we think it's a normal part of our lives. So the first is to recognize when you feel stressed and to understand that stress is just a word. It's important for individuals and your listeners to understand what that word means to them. How do they know they feel stressed? Where do they feel it in their body and what can help relieve it? And anxiety is certainly a term that is used quite frequently, and that's more of the physiologic effects of stress. So for some people, anxiety may be their heart's racing or their stomach feels upset or they may have a headache or their hands may feel clenched. And the point is when you recognize that you are feeling stress and have some anxiety, that there are steps that you can take to alleviate it because it's all about balance. There's not many things in life that we can't do where you may not feel stress, and not all stress is bad. However, when the negative effects of stress outweigh the benefits in the sense of, you know, sometimes you need a little kick in the pants to get you up in the morning or to complete a project, and you do it and you come back and rest. What's happening is we're on this treadmill and there's, we're not resting. We're not finding that balance. We're not finding that inner peace, if you will. So it's important to recognize when you are stressed, when you have anxiety, and look for those times when you're just relaxing. So what are the first steps that we can take? What, walk me through them. Let's say I come to you as a patient and say, look, doctor, mm-hmm. I'm so stressed. Well, what do I do? I don't know where to begin. Where, what would you tell me? Where can I begin? Well, I would begin by acknowledging the fact, you know, congratulations, you recognize your stress, Mm -hmm. um, to identify how you know, where are you feeling in your body, to be able to tie it into maybe certain activities that you're doing or not doing that causes you stress. And and if you can, let's say someone says, you know, well, my marriage is not working, my kids are driving me bananas, and I feel unfulfilled at work. You can, I would have someone look at those issues and Pick one that they want to focus on. Talk about a recent episode or incident where they felt that way and then backtrack through it to see what they could have done differently. Is it a thought? Is it a feeling? And then work on some practices to help with stress. One of the best things that anyone can do when they feel stressed is to exercise on a regular basis. Deep breathing, meditation, mindfulness is important communicating, getting things out that you keep in that may be keeping you stressed. So often as women, we're, we are um, have it, uh, issues, and I was going to say afraid, but that's not it, issues of saying no. We have issues of asking for help, and so we pile on and pile on and pile on, when in fact, if we would ask for help or say no to some people, then we'd recognize that there are things that we could do in that time that we're doing things for other people that in fact could help us balance. So it's about identifying where and when you feel stressed, what it feels like in your body, tying it in to some incidents or, or something that you can do something about, and then using positive measures to balance that stress. Yeah, and I think as I, I know for myself, I mean, I tend to do this too. Most people do. You could have dwell on what went wrong mm-hmm. instead of focusing on what to do next. And you're stuck in this, you know, this sort of negative cloud, as it were, because you don't, you know, you can't move on. I would say, you know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, so move on. But it's harder. It's easier said than done. Not to second guess, not to be self-negative, mm-hmm. self-critical we are, a lot of us. And well, that's that kind of sets up beauty. a pattern. Yeah, no, it is. And that's the beauty of awareness and self-awareness because our brains are wired for negativity. We remember what's painful. We remember what's negative. And 
it's been proven that if someone has a negative event, they tell eight people. When something happens good in their life, they tell two. So not only do we remember it, we talk about negative things. However, if you recognize that you want to make those changes, there's something you can do. When you have a negative thought, when you feel in a way that makes you feel bad, you can say to yourself, okay, I've had a negative thought, I feel bad. Now, what's another way to look at this? How can I look at the benefit of what just happened? It's about using our own self-awareness, our own ability to think and recognize how we feel in a way to balance whatever that negative energy or thought is. And it's empowering and necessary as we focus and recognize the impact that positive thoughts and positive words have on our overall health and well-being. And we can turn it around, as you said, so easily. We just, a lot of times, you know, it's interesting. We had Dr. Michael Roizen on the show last week, and I'm sure you, you know him. Yeah. Um, he's with the, the head of the wellness for the Cleveland Clinic. And he said something interesting. He said, we have two choices to make each day, make excuses or make something happen. The choice is ours. But so many of us just make excuses. And then we well, kind of, we, we stagnate in those excuses, as you said, you know, it just, it's, it makes it hard to move on. Well, ch- change is difficult. And, you know, it requires a number of things. It's not just a matter of knowing what goal you want, but also being able to know your mindset so that you can flip it. And that potential we have at every moment. And so often, if we are unable to make that change, we give up. And the point is, you know, if you didn't make it in this minute, you have many more minutes coming up to try to make that change. And that's where mindfulness comes in and staying in the moment so you don't dwell back on what you didn't do and look at every opportunity to make a change and back to those small steps, even a small change that you can pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, that's very, that's very, very interesting. And actually, I just got an email today from one of my readers, actually, and she said, you know, I'm given to these terrible anxiety attacks, and I would go out in public, and I'd feel like I'm going to lose my mind, literally, right then and there. It could be in a store, it could be in a restaurant, it could be mm-hmm. anywhere. And I'm telling myself, am I going insane, or is this really happening? And she asked, you know, in, in this email, what can I do at that moment when you feel like you are going to go off because you know we're all sort of close to going off as I said earlier you know we're all sort of one step away from there how do you what self-talk do you do when you're right in the middle of this so anxiety is real and when and that panic that she described can really make you feel like you know you just cannot contain anything number one is you should have a physical exam and make sure that you don't have something medical going on your thyroid or if there's some medication that you take that's contributing to that number two is to realize the power of the breath when you recognize and and can recognize early the signs and symptoms that you may have of panic or anxiety the breath is so powerful and what she can do or what anyone can do is to just take 10 deep breaths in and out with their mouth closed through their nose and think relaxing thoughts. And the key to deep breathing is to practice because if you just throughout your day, when you notice something or don't notice something, practice on those, practice those 10 breaths and potentially associate a word with it, even the word can make you feel relaxed. So recognize the power of your breath and just send calm thoughts down to whatever parts of your body are feeling anxious and stressed and immediately you will feel um, a, a benefit reaction. And it's not just psychological because when you inhale and exhale deeply, as you expand your lungs, 
it presses on the vagal, vagus nerve, which can actually slow down your heart rate, not to the point where you're going to pass out, but, but to the point where you really feel a deep sense of calm. So it's, it's truly uh, tried and true in the sense of it not only relaxes you psychologically, but also relaxes you physically. Yeah, that that's incredibly important, and, and people don't realize that we all have, we all can breathe, we all should breathe, and we, you know, mm-hmm. we we don't. And certainly, when we get nervous, their breaths become more shallow, shallower, and shallower. Um, also, you know, and I think a lot of people, when you read headlines, you know, in the New York Times, the New York Post, these people who just go off the deep end, you know, they 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 stab their their boyfriend or their husband or their mother and we think wow we've all been there you know you all think gee you know you can get so angry that you totally lose it what holds you back from doing that I'm, i mean i'm i get those questions too i mean you know with from, from going totally insane i guess you stop and you breathe and go everything will be fine <laughs> right yeah, well, well thankfully you know there's a lot, many people are anxiety you know over 60 percent have people have high anxiety and thankfully most of those individuals do not take it out on other people. Right. But instead, I mean, there's that danger of keeping that anxiety and rage inside, which we know more hostility and more rage can lead to heart attacks and also worsen chronic medical illnesses and contribute to depression. But that's where the key to balance is, self-awareness and understanding that anger is a, a natural emotion. And But when you feel it, you, again, have that opportunity to ask yourself, notice where you're feeling it in your body, and ask yourself, are you, are you angry? Sometimes anger um, can, be, can mask depression. It can mask fear. And so if the whole point of communication is for you to get what you want, when you know and can identify exactly what you are feeling, maybe it's not anger that you need to have, but it needs to be empathy. Or maybe you need to ask for help. Or maybe you don't need to say anything. You don't need to react and let the situation settle down so that you can communicate effectively what it is you need. So I say use emotions as flags to help you. Um, And if you feel like you're going to say something that is not going to help you get what you want, if you can breathe, if you can think about it even for 10 seconds, that 10 seconds may allow either a question to formulate, someone else to say something that can help in the communication, and for you to have a two-way dialogue that does not involve fear or anger or, or trying to hurt someone else. Oh, that's very, 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 very good advice. You know, it's, I was laughing the other day because the title was so great. There was a story in the New York Post called Trancing with the Stars and how people are now looking for hypnosis as a way to relieve stress. Is that a trend or is that something that, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid of it because they don't know what they're going to ask them to do in this trance. You know, if you go to someone that's sort of iffy, <laughs> as it were. You know, for for some people, you know, hypnosis may work, but my feeling is if you are feeling stress, then it's about you being aware of what's causing you stress and also being aware of the power that you have to alleviate it. So as opposed to getting um, hypnotized um, and really letting your unconscious work for you, I say you need to take more active steps. And that may mean eliminate things, eliminate people out of your life, and focus more on doing things that can add that balance. And now, now, doctor, there is one 
age-old beauty treatment, this all really, I think, stems from a lot of us are just exhausted, and that's why we're feeling so many of these symptoms. And this age-old beauty treatment that no cream, pill, filler procedure can replace, and that is sleep. And for many, it not only impacts the way we feel, obviously, but of course the way we look, the, the circles under our eyes, the puffiness, not to mention that, you know, the feeling of just so much anxiety. And I think that all stems from not being able to sleep well. And, and either it carries on to, to make us not sleep well or because we don't sleep well, we're anxious. It's probably a catch-22, as it were. So what do you, you created something called a Sleep Better program for your platform, which helps users get a better night's sleep. And, of course, that affects uh, every part of you. So what effect, from, from you know, your, your opinion, does lack of sleep have on your health and mental well-being? Well, so especially, you know, as you mentioned, in org and, and the sleep better, uh, there's this notion that as we get older that we should expect our sleep to be disrupted, and that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Even though up to 50, over 50% of Americans and older Americans report that their sleep is disrupted, a lot of times if you have insomnia, which is trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, or you have times where you do not wake up and you don't feel rested. There may be an underlying medical problem that's causing it. You may be depressed or anxious or stressed and not addressing those issues. It could be because there are medications. Some people feel like if they have a couple of drinks before they go to sleep, it'll make them feel better, which can impact your sleep. Sleeping in environments that aren't conducive to sleeping, if you aren't active and do too many activities in bed and your bedroom is not a place of rest, um, you know, technology, certainly everybody has their smartphone by them, can impact it. So the key aspect of this of the sleep snack is, A, to help you just stop and think about the quality of your sleep and the quantity of your sleep. If there's a little rating scale that you can use and also to understand that we need to sleep. Um, and even as we get older, we need to sleep at least seven to eight hours a night. If you're lucky enough, you can have more than those things. But sleep is the way that our body helps regenerate itself in terms of we need that restful state. So it's something that certainly we can strive for. And just because, you know, we're older does not mean that we cannot have a great night's sleep. So, you know, I find, as I, and, and, this I hesitate to admit, but sometimes, because I get up early, but like 10 o'clock at night, I'll be watching television. When next I look, I will have missed every ending that I'm, I've, I've been waiting up to watch this show. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I'm in the news and I'm going, what happened to the show? But I fall into such a deep sleep that I'm almost not tired for another couple of hours because it seems like that sleep is, is just deeper than maybe what I would have had normally. Is that, I mean, as you get older, does that happen more? Are you taking a nap, but later? (laughs) Well, you know what? It sounds like you're into that kind of sleep. Congratulations to you. I mean, there's certainly, um, you know, as we get older, the way our brain works in terms of how, you know, light, um, natural sunlight has a way to stimulate a part of our brain that is responsible for hormonal secretions and circadian rhythms and how we sleep. And as we get older, sometimes that um, is not as powerful, which speaks to getting out into natural sunlight. Um, And so the ability for us to go into deep sleep as we get older certainly may be impacted. If you are lucky enough to feel like you've had such a restful, blissful sleep and you wake up feeling recharged and energized, God bless you. I wake up annoyed that I missed the show. (laughs) 
Well, but, you know, the good thing is with technology, you can go back and look at the show. I know. You can team away. It's really how you feel. Yeah. I, I know. But it's, it's really how you feel when you wake up. And, and, and um, for some people, it may include taking naps, not typically longer than a half an hour, to at least recharge and get those power naps. So it's, it's individual. Everybody's sleep pattern is, is different. But, you know, the real take-home is if you are, are having trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, feel irritable, you know, you feel tired um, and just not rested, to go and talk to your healthcare provider and look at the different aspects that, of your life that may impact the quality and quantity of your sleep because sleep, we really need it. And if you don't get a lot of sleep, you can worsen any chronic medical illness that you have, it can lead to more depression and anxiety and also um, negative ways to cope with trying to sleep. And then a lot of people turn to medication, sleeping pills, which probably ultimately have a negative effect, right? Because you get dependent on them. Or they can mask an underlying problem. I mean, if you're having trouble sleeping and you need to sleep, I think there's nothing wrong with taking sleeping pills. But that's after you have really looked at and examined to make sure that you don't have an underlying medical problem or some behavior that is contributing to not sleeping. So let's say tonight we all want to get a better night's sleep. Where do we start? Just unplugging some of the technology if you're sleeping with blue lights in your room or the temperature or how do we make it more sleep conducive? I definitely go out and exercise, expose yourself to natural sunlight. The temperature of the room is key. We tend to sleep better in rooms that are a little cool. So looking at that, um, staying out of your bed. I mean, if you think of your bed, it can be for the three S's, sex, sleep, or when you're sick. So do activities outside of your bed. If don't Try not to work on your computer or answer all of your phone calls sitting in your bed so that when you go into your bed, when you go into your bedroom, that ritual is started that that's a place that you're going to go sleep and recharge and, and, and get that necessary time in to relax. Um, so for some people, it may be drinking a cup of warm tea um, or even warm milk. Um, avoid caffeine after 11 a.m. or 12 um, p.m. Uh, and, uh, and looking at foods that may contain caffeine. So, yeah, I was going to ask you that. So chocolate, right, contains caffeine sometimes. Some, or... some chocolates do, but, you know, right. for some, a tiny bit of chocolate may be soothing, but certainly you don't want to get in the habit of eating a lot of anything too much too late at night because certainly that, that can trigger um, different ways that your body's metabolizing foods and also... You know, there are many people who wake up in the middle of the night and they feel hungry and they'll go and have a meal. And that and, and that's certainly something that you don't want to practice. Yeah, because then you have to digest it, which keeps you up even later, right? And then also, right. I find too, sometimes you wake up at 5 a.m. Things get worse in the middle of the night. If you wake up at 5 a.m., all the monsters that you've been thinking about all day come out and they're terrible. And then you wake up in, like at six or seven and, and they're fine. <laughs> you know, you say, how could I have worried about that? But they get so, because it's quiet and that's, you're just there with your thoughts and, and they get worse. So if you wake up, let's say at four and you want to get back to sleep for another three hours or so, what would you say to do? Would you say to get up and, and walk around or just lie there thinking or breathing? You know, it, it depends. For some people, if, if they wake up at four, 
If they can try to get themselves back to sleep, that's what they should do. Others may find that if they get up, as long as you don't engage in a big activity, like if you are waking up at four because you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, try to go back to sleep. But do not avoid turning on the TV, avoid trying some big project, working on some big projects. You can get up, walk around and try to go back to sleep, or you can try to stay in your bed and go back to sleep. But um, it, it, you can pay attention to what works for you. And do you think that writing things down before you go to bed to get rid of them, that's some, some people think that if you keep a notebook aside, does that work, do you think? It's very, it's very helpful. It's helpful in the, in the fact that you are, again, paying attention to what's going on inside of your head, writing it down and saying, you know, I will get to that later. And the point is to eliminate or discharge whatever's going on that you are not bringing to your full consciousness. So it's very helpful to write down everything that you may be thinking about, closing the book, you know, you might breathe on it, you might say a prayer on it, establishing some ritual, and putting it down and saying, you know, I will deal with that tomorrow. At the same time, it's also helpful when you wake up to write down just whatever's on your mind. So if you get in the habit, again, of bringing complete awareness to your thoughts, to your feelings, to yourself, it can be very empowering and a positive behavior to really elicit a better night's sleep. So that's that's excellent, excellent advice. And a lot of us really could use more sleep. I think that makes a huge difference in just how we look at it. Um, we look at the day. I, I know it does. I know for me, if I'm tired, the whole day is kind of shot. So it well, really it is. I mean, makes if, a difference. Do you think if you're driving, if you're yeah, operating any machinery, you need to make decisions? I mean, we need our complete awareness. Now, Doctor, in our final few minutes, what are some, what's your advice that you could share, some bullet points that we can keep with us all day long that we have heard from you from this show? I would say the number one is to... Think about being mindful and in the moment. And and in the moment does not mean that you don't pay attention to what's happened in the past, but it really keeps you hopeful um, and, and able to communicate um, what you need to do. The other is to create a ritual around deep breathing and, and being able to practice that in the sense of if you can take 10 deep breaths um, and understand how you're re- relaxing, that helps. The other is to pay attention to your sleep patterns. Um, go on lifeyourimagine.org, do the Sleep Better Snack, and look at the quality and quantity, quantity of your sleep. There are exercises that you can do that can help you relax and sleep and, and pay attention to that. And certainly exercise, diet, nutrition play a big role. And tell us again where we can find your advice online. Yes, it's lifeyourimagine.org, and there are a number of snacks, their number of um, exercises that you can take, and mine is a sleep better snack. And we can also see you on the Today Show, and we can see you read your columns in FamilyCircle.com. We can find you everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) You are everywhere with good reason. You are the best. Thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Everyone, that's our show. Thank you again, Dr. Taylor. And thank you, Lori, as always. And thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins-Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instantfeedback at bmajor.org. 
The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.